0: For to us a child is born; a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called wonderful counselor, counselor, mighty God, mighty God, everlasting Father, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Welcome this weekend. We're glad you're here, and uh, hope you're having a good one. And you're in the Christmas spirit. I am. Hey, I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now from an off-site campus or maybe uh, on a podcast, and I especially want to welcome uh, those of you now, listen, listen to this, those of you who are in Mount Pleasant, Iowa, not South Carolina, Iowa. There's a group, I just got an email this week, there's a group that is meeting in either a restaurant or a bar that's closed on a Sunday night in Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Iowa. We're glad you guys are along for the ride. If there's anybody listening in Mount Pleasant, Michigan, we'd love to start a campus there too. (laughs) How many of you, listen, listen, let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt powerless? You felt powerless? When in your life? Do you remember a time in your life when you really felt powerless? There have been a lot of times for me, I was thinking about that question, and I can remember specifically, the first thing that jumped out of my mind was a time. Uh, when I decided to take, Debbie and I decided to take our, our family uh, to see my grandmother on her 80th birthday. Now, we live in Charleston, South Carolina. She lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so we decided to all load into a brand-new van that we had just purchased and drive 3,500 miles round-trip Albuquerque, New Mexico. How many of you know that sounds like a powerless experience in and of itself? And uh, it was. As we went along... You know, we kind of enjoyed the scenery. It's, it's amazing how, you know, the country changes. Every state you go in has its own unique beauty. Until you get to western Oklahoma and kind of northwest Texas and you wonder, God, what were you thinking when you created these places? You know, just not a lot of beauty, at least not in my eyes. I can remember as we, as we went into the New Mexico, just right across the New Mexico state line, Uh, we began having some car trouble. Uh, Our our brand-new vans started to, about every 10 miles, it would just kind of lose all power, just kind of slowly until, when any power left, you have to pull over to the side. And uh, the only remedy was to sit for 10 or 15 minutes and just kind of wait on it, and then it would regain power, and then we'd go on another 10 miles. And Debbie said, why don't you get out and open the hood and just see if you can, if there's anything obvious that maybe we can fix. Well, see, that's like asking, asking me to look under the hood and diagnose a problem with, was kind of like throwing me a basketball and asking me to dunk it. You know, lots of desire love to do that, but it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and so I was frustrated. The family was frustrated. What are we going to do? Because there are no towns there. Nobody wants to live there, you know? I mean, it's just kind of cactuses and sand and all of that. And so we slowly limped our way along took us hours to get the last couple hundred miles into Albuquerque. Felt absolutely powerless to do anything about it. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe it wasn't a car. Maybe it was with a friend. You watch a friend make poor choices, poor decisions. They're ruining their life and you feel powerless to do anything about it. Or maybe there's somebody that you know, you want to be more than friends. You you feel something in your heart and, and and you want to love them. Or maybe you're married to them or you're dating them and they just don't love you and you feel powerless to do anything about it. Maybe it's a parent and your baby is sick and you just want to care for them. You want to do something and, and you feel powerless. Nothing changes. Or maybe you've got a teenager and they're making some bad choices and you wish that you could make the choices for them, but you can't. You feel powerless. Maybe you're married you're growing further and further apart and and you wake up one day and you and you figure out you know what I can't fix this problem you feel powerless maybe it's at work and you've been given responsibility for something that you really don't feel empowered to accomplish or maybe there's a really powerful person and they're abusing their power and and you and you really not much you can do about it or maybe it's in yourself you want to make some changes you know you should you've tried but you feel powerless it just It just doesn't work. Or maybe it's because you're a Gamecock fan, okay? (laughs) Enough said, enough said. You know, you could be a a Texas Longhorn fan. That would be worse right now. Well, There there are a lot of things that can make us feel powerless. And this Christmas, uh, we're studying the prophecy from Isaiah about the the birth of Jesus Christ. And just to kind of go back and and see where they were at that time, the, the, the truth is when Isaiah wrote the prophecy... Israel was in a time uh, of a uh, feeling really, really powerless. They had a new leader. He was a brash young guy, about 20-something. His name was King Ahaz. His dad and his grandfather had done a very good job. They'd followed God and led Israel in a good way. But Ahaz makes some really poor choices. And as a result... Uh, things got tough for Israel. The economy is, is, uh, is uh, bad. There are some powerful nations that are threatening. It's, it's really a complicated time. And what he does, rather than turning to God, is he turns to every powerless religion that he can get into and he can find. God's so bad that uh, the Bible says he finally actually sacrificed his son. Terrible time. The people felt powerless. It wasn't even their fault. Maybe you've been in a situation like that where somebody else screws up and you've got to pay the, the dumb tax on the situation. That's where they were. A lot to be hopeless about. And in the midst of that, here comes this prophet named Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 1, he says this. He says, Nevertheless, the time of darkness and despair that Israel is under will not go on forever. He says, there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. I can imagine when he said that, those that are listening are saying, man, boy, we need to hear that. That sounds like good news. How's it going to happen, Isaiah? Isaiah says, "For, for to us a child is born, a son is given. Can you imagine the guys around him, you know, that are listening to maybe some of his advisors they're going, dude, man, give us a, is that what you've got? I mean, is that what God is saying to you? How does that help anything? Isaiah said, well, he's he's going to grow up. Well, man, that'll take time. We need help right now. What they didn't know is that it would take a lot of time. It would take about 700 years. But God's solution for Israel was wrapped up in a baby child. Isaiah goes on and he says, the government will rest on his shoulder and he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. He said, mighty God, everlasting father. You mean mean he's going to be God? That doesn't make sense. But Isaiah says he's got to. The problems are so big, you need somebody strong to deal with it. And they didn't get it because the concept of God is hard to get your head around. It really is. Hey, listen, if you've got little kids, just wait until they grow up uh, uh, big enough. Wait until your child asks you a tough God question. How big is God, Daddy? Mama, who's bigger, Jesus or God? Where does God live? You know what? When they start asking you that stuff, don't tell them, go ask Pastor Greg. You know, you're the parent. You deal with it. Sometimes it's hard for kids to to wrap their head around this concept of God. Well, you know what? It's hard for adults to understand a mighty God. And I want to wrestle with that question today. Just how powerful is God? You know, somebody explained it to me one time like this. They said uh, that the sun produces more energy in one second than has been used in the history of the world get that more energy in one second than in the history than has been produced in the history of the world and, and there's enough uh, uh at its current rate that the sun will be able to burn for another 30 billion years have you know that's a lot of power but it's not as great as the as the power of the creator who made the sun in fact jeremiah 32 and verse 17 says it this way Ah sovereign lord you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Theologians call that the omnipotence of God. In other words, God is almighty, He's all powerful. There is no limit to His power, He's unlimited. He never gets tired, God never gets frustrated. He does everything easily. Nothing's ever too hard or too difficult for him. It's as easy for him to answer a prayer as it is for him to create a universe. It's all the same to him. God is unlimited in his power. Now, in Isaiah's time, they understood the power of God a little bit. They'd seen the power of God in some really big ways. Their ancestors had. And every once in a while, there would be an individual that would come onto the scenes that would kind of be filled with the power of God. But it was only every once in a while and very limited. Maybe it'd be a, you know, a, a guy like Samson, you know, a strong guy or a guy like David or, or even a guy like Isaiah. And these guys are, are like superheroes, you know. They point to him and they say the power of God is in them, but it was limited and it was only for a season. Power would come and go. And Isaiah says that a child is going to be born. He's going to grow up and he's going to be called mighty. God, and then seven hundred years later, it happens on that first Christmas. The child is born, and he begins to grow, and he begins to display the power of God. Jesus had power over nature. There was a time in the Bible when um, the winds and the waves were blowing, and he and he stood up in a boat and he spoke to it and he said, "Peace, be still," and it did. I mean, winds and waves. I, I think about hurricanes like the one that came through Charleston or Katrina a couple of years ago in Louisiana. Jesus spoke to the wind and the wave. Boom. Done. Jesus had power over sickness and death. And we studied in, Isaiah, or, or in the book of Luke how that He would walk places and people would bring their sick to Him and, and He would speak to them and touch them and, and they would be healed and sometimes even raise the dead. Jesus had power over demons and power over the devil. In fact, in the book of Luke, He comes onto a, a guy that's demon-possessed and He casts the demon out into a whole herd of pigs and the pigs committed mass suicide. You've read the story, haven't you? You know, there's probably something you didn't know about that. A little-known fact that, that in that crowd that day was one of the ancestors of the Underwood family. And when Jesus cast the pig or the demons into the pig, he got an idea, and thus was the beginning of Underwood's deviled ham. <laughs> or maybe not. Well, you know what? Jesus is one of these guys, like the guys in the Old Testament. He has power, but it doesn't end there. Because Jesus says that his, promi- or his followers would be filled with the same power. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, But you, and who's he talking to? He's talking to the people that were following him at that time, Peter, James, John, all the disciples and the people that were around, about 500 people when he ascended into heaven. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Man, one of my favorite books is the book of Acts. Do you like reading the book of Acts? When you go into the book of Acts, here's a demonstration of the power of God through normal people. I mean, everywhere they go, God's power follows them. It's an amazing thing, but it doesn't stop there. In fact, the apostle Paul is praying for the church in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19. And who is the church? Who is the church? You're the church. I'm the church. We're the church. And he says this. In fact, let's read this one out loud. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe Him. Could you circle that phrase, God's power for us? See, God has power for us who believe. A lot of Christians feel powerless, they feel like they're victims. You know, two steps forward, three steps back. I can never get ahead. And whatever it is that I'm trying to do, we feel powerless. And yet God wants to give you power. Now, what kind of power do you need? What kind of power do we need? I, I thought about that. And I, I thought of, in my life, here's what I need. I need at least three kinds of power. The first kind of power I need is, is starting power. It's the power to get started. Do you, do you ever have problems like this? How many good things have you been postponing in the last six months, how many things that you know that you should get started on that you you should be doing, and you just you know you just have a hard time getting started. What would you like to change about yourself, but you can't get motivated to get started? Romans chapter seven and verse eighteen says this. You know, I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. Does that describe you? Does it? Have you figured out? That good intentions just aren't good enough, you know? It's not enough to just want to do right, want to do good. You've got to actually do it. He says, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. And sometimes we get in this kind of spin cycle of, of bad habits, and, and it's hard to break out of them. What do you do? The good news, you have access to God's starting in fact philippians chapter 2 and verse 13 says it this way for god is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him says if you're a believer listen if you're a believer god is working in you it says That God's power, the power that Jesus had, the power that the disciples had, the power that Isaiah had, the power that Samson had, the power of the Holy Spirit is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. Starting power. Second kind of power I need is staying power. It's not enough just to get started. It's another to keep going when you don't feel like it. And you know what? God promises the power to do both. Look at Psalm chapter 6 and verse 2. It says, Pity me, O Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, for my body is sick. And I am upset and disturbed, and my mind is filled with apprehension and with gloom. Oh, restore me soon. (laughs) How many of you would say, That's my life verse? <laughs> that that one describes me. Well, what do you do when you feel like that? What do you do when you don't have energy and you're discouraged and you just don't know if you you can keep going? What do you do? Isaiah chapter forty and verse twenty-eight. You need God's staying power. Do you not know that you have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. And he will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. See, because God's power is unlimited, God never gets tired, it says. He's kind of like, I I picture in that sense, God kind of like, like a a two-year-old on steroids, you know. Have you ever tried to keep up with a two-year-old? I mean, they're here, they're there, they're everywhere, and have so much extra energy. And I'm thinking, God, I mean, why didn't you give me that energy at whatever age I am, you know, 38? Why didn't you give me that energy instead of wasting it all on a two-year-old? But it says that God is like that, only He never, ever gets tired. God can create the universe in in six days and then say, what's next? What's the next project? See, the good news is when I'm drained and when I'm at the end of my rope, I can tap into His unlimited power source because it's, it says that God never grows weary. And then verse 29, it says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He gives strength to the weary. He increases power to the weak. So if you're a believer... God, God has power to get you started. God has power to keep you going. And I need, I need one more kind of power. And I call it just in case power, just in case power. Let me tell you where this came from. I have a friend who's on staff that her mother lives in a a small little tiny town in in North Carolina. And, uh, you know, there's, just a few few stop signs and stop lights, and the speed limits uh, about twenty five miles an hour and and uh, even out in the country it 's fifty five and uh, her mama is seventy years old and, and here 's what she drives she drives a Chrysler three hundred hemi i think we 've got a picture of that with a five point seven liter v eight 340 horsepower, zero to 60 in less time than it takes to say the name of the little town that her mama lives in, her 70-year-old mama. And so she said, Mama, why do you need a car like that? You don't need all that power. All you need is something to get started and kind of drive you around. And, and, and here, here, here's why she thinks she needs that power. Just in case. Just in case. Just in case of What? Just just in case she needs to pass somebody. Just just in case she needs to get away in a hurry. It's it's power that she'll probably, maybe she'll never use, but it's there just in case. When I heard that story, I thought, that's what I need. That's what what you need. You need starting power. You need staying power. But you need just in case power. Just in case of what? just in case you get tempted. You, you need extra power. Any of you get tempted? Do you? I read a bumper sticker that said, lead us not in tempta- into temptation. I'm perfectly capable of finding it on my own. <laughs> I mean, you can relate to that? Listen, if you say that you don't struggle with temptation, then you need it real quick. Check your pulse, okay? Check your pulse. Because you may be dead. There is, just in case promise of power for those of you who struggle with eating too much food, who struggle with internet porn, who struggle with lying in order to look better, who struggle with gossiping with your friends, who struggle with cheating on your taxes, who struggle with having sex with somebody that you're not married to. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 describes the kind of power, the just-in-case power that you need. Verse 13 says, The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. Can you circle that? God is faithful. He will not allow. Now, just time out, just for a minute. When it says that He will not allow, that means that God steps in in His power. This is a promise of power that God steps in, says, He will not allow. He limits the temptation. He will not allow it to be more than what you can stand. And when you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. You say, it's not my experience. I mean, I'm just overwhelmed with temptation. Well, you know what? There's always a way out. The question is, are you looking for it? Do you take it? God says that you can have access to just in case temptation power. How about just in case you get hurt? just in case you get hurt. You may be cruising along, you know, on the highway of life and and you get bumped. There are are people here in this building and in the buildings that you're gathered in right now or even listening to a podcast. There there are people who uh, have been hurt in various ways in life. Some of you are in a bad marriage and you're doing your best to, you know, fake it until you make it. You're doing your best to look good, but the truth is you're dreading going home to the same old, same old. There are some of you that have lost a loved one and you're grieving over that. There are some of you that have a friend that betrayed you. There, there are many of you that are enduring financial pressure right now and you're, you're wondering and you're hoping, I hope this doesn't tear my family apart. There are some of you that have a friend getting married and you're not. And you don't want to tell anybody. You don't want to tell anybody how you feel. But there's hurt there. You know what? God has a power promise for you just in case you get hurt. Psalm 41 and verse 3 says the Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. He says says that God takes people who are hurt and get hurt various times in life and it says that He personally nurses them and restores them to health. That's a demonstration of God's power. You need just-in-case power, uh, when you feel like you're in over your head. You ever felt like that? Maybe it's at work. i feel, I got to be honest with you. I feel like that every week. I feel like that today. You know, I'm thinking, Well, I'm preaching, I'm thinking, if only they knew what a doofus I was. <laughs> if only they knew how much I struggle with, you know, with keeping the one foot in front of the other. If only they knew. And you feel like you don't have a clue. And here's what God says. Isaiah 40 and verse 29, again, it says, God increases the power. In the NIV, God increases the power of the weak. I love this. This is one of my life verses in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. It, God says, my power shows up best in really talented people. Is that what it says? My power shows up best in really strong, buff <laughs> In shape. (laughs) It's okay to be buff and in shape. It's all right. God can show up there. But he says, my power shows up best in really weak people. See, just in case power is described in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 20. Uh, We already read the first part of it that says that God, that, that Paul's prayer for the church is that he wants you to experience God's power, that God has power for you. The rest of that verse says this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. That's God's power. same power that raised Jesus from the dead, he said, is available to you and I. So let's kind of review. God is the opposite of powerless. I asked you at the very beginning, have you ever felt powerless? We all do from time to time. God has never felt powerless. That's the omnipotence of God, that He is almighty, that He is all-powerful. And the solution for Israel's powerlessness in the time of Isaiah was a child, and the child's name was Jesus, and Isaiah said, He will be called Mighty God. Because that will be one of the characteristics that he has, is the omnipotence of God. He is God, He is all-powerful, but it doesn't end there. Jesus says, I want to share my power with you. And he shared it with his disciples. And then his disciples shared it with those that were around. And Paul prays for you and I as the church. And he says, you can have God's power to get started and God's power to keep going and God's power just in case. But this is what you're saying. Some of you are saying this, Greg, you know what? That may work for you and Joel Osteen, but it just ain't working for me right now. I mean, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian for however long. And I have never encountered or experienced God's power in any of the ways that you're talking about. I don't know if this stuff really works. And you know what? That's an honest question. And it's one that a lot of us probably grapple with and struggle with. And and it's true. You're right. God's power is not automatic. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to walk In the power of God. In fact, most Christians never experience God's power. Lots of Christians are just as defeated and powerless as unbelievers. So, I I, want to just give you two or three thoughts on how you access the power of God. This may be the most important part of what we're going to talk about this weekend. Here's what you do. First thing you do is you just admit that you need it. You just admit just admit that you don't have it all together. In fact, why don't you turn right now to your neighbor and just, just tell him that? Say, I don't have it together. Just admit it. You know? Who are you trying to fool? You're not God. You know? You're not the master of your destiny. You don't have it all together. You probably won't make all of the money that you dreamed that you'd make. You probably won't achieve all of the goals that you set for yourself sometime in life. You're human. You're getting older. You may even be losing some of your hair. You need help. You need help. If you want to access God's power, you got to get good. It's saying, you know what? I need help. Just drop to your knees and confess it to God. And say, God, I'm weak. I need you. Proverbs 29 and verse 23 says, "Pride, and, and pride is, is the thing that keeps us from admitting that we need help. Pride ends in humiliation." While humility, when I humble myself, it said it brings honor. And so the, the, the beginning point of accessing God's power is just saying, God, I, I'm powerless. I, I, I need you. I'm weak. And I, I don't want you to do that here and at every campus during the response time. Why don't you just take a time, just bow your head and just say, God, I need you. I need you. I need your power in my marriage. I need your power in my. My physical life. I need your power as a father, as a mother. I need your power as a student. I need you. Second thing you do is get connected to the power source. Admit, admit your weakness and then get connected to the power source. Here's a theory of life. Things work best when they're plugged in. W- w- would you agree with that? Recently, um, I had an appliance, fairly large appliance that wouldn't work. And uh, once again, Debbie assigned me uh, to uh, work on that get it fixed and so I called a repairman who made a house call and service call to my uh, my home and so he was working on the appliance and I went in the other room and wasn't five or six six minutes later maybe ten minutes I came back out and he's buttoning it all up and and it's working I said that's great I'm thinking how much money I've saved you know of having to get a new one or whatever and I, I said what was the problem he said well it wasn't plugged in <laughs> Yeah, you would think that would be embarrassing, right? <laughs> no, for me, that was wonderful. You know, I, 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 he charged me 69 bucks, but that's cheaper than buying a new one, you know. <laughs> and I'll know next time that life works better when you're plugged in. See, if you're already a Christian, you're probably saying, I'm plugged in, I'm spirit-filled, you know, move on to the next... What, 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 why aren't I experiencing God's power? Move on to the next thought. No, listen. It's not enough just to just to be plugged in. In fact, uh, one time we were uh, putting a, a DVD, I think, in one of the kids' rooms, and you know uh, the dresser was over here, and Deb wanted to stay there, and I my job was to get it all to work, and and we were just a little bit too far for the plug, and I didn't want to put an extension cord in there, so I kind of moved the dresser a little bit, moved the DVD just a little bit where it just barely reached. In fact, you could just, just some of you are gonna. You know, whatever, I don't care what you think about me. But anyway, I, I, I had it where you could, you know, you bend the plug just a little bit and it'll just barely get in there. But the problem is that every time you bump the table or or uh, the uh, dresser that the DVD wouldn't work because it came unplugged. See, and that's the same with us. When you you lose your power, when you get as, as far away from the power source as you can, you know, it, what can I do and still be a Christian? You know, just, just how far, how, how much can I just sample over here, get away from, you know, I, I don't want to be, you know, radical or I don't want to be a holy roller or whatever it happens to be. I, I You know, I want to just kind of barely in, barely out. And you make ungodly choices and you unplug God's power. Well, it wouldn't make sense for God to renew your supernatural power for you just to move further and further away from his purposes for you. In fact, John 15 says it like this. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So you got to you got to admit your weakness and and then you got to get plugged in to the power source. And so you might say, boy, it seems hard to Really connect and make a relationship with God. And I say, no, getting your driver's license renewed after it expires in South Carolina, that's hard. That's hard, not that it's ever happened to me. Connecting with God, Jesus said this. God says, I stand at the door and I knock. He wants to plug in. He wants you to plug in to the power source. Another thought, admit my need, get plugged in. Accessing God's power. Stay plugged in until you're fully charged. Stay plugged in until you're fully charged. Have you ever forgot to um, plug in your your cordless phone, your cell phone at night before you went to bed? And... Um, you remembered it the next morning, about 15 minutes before you had to leave to go to work. and So you plug it in real quick while you brush your teeth, hoping that it'll kind of charge enough. And you go and you look at it, and hey, I've got a little green in that thing rather than just red. And maybe it'll be okay. And then about halfway through the day, the, the phone dies. Have you ever had that happen? Isaiah 40 and verse 31 says this about our spiritual life. It said, but those who wait... Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those who who plug it in, who get plugged in with God and experience times of just waiting before the Lord. Just kind of waiting in His presence. When you really need God's power, you need to wait even longer. In fact, first of the year, we're going to do a series. And part of what we're going to do in the series is as a church, we're going to go on a, on a 21-day fast. 21-day fast, yeah. It's going to be good. Because sometimes you need to wait and fast and pray and get fully, fully charged and fully, fully energized. And here's what he said happens when you do. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's how you access God's power. You admit your need. You get plugged in. And then you stay plugged in long enough to get fully charged for whatever the situation that you're involved in. Here's the last thing. Do the possible and then expect God to do the impossible. You're going to have to Step out in faith to access god 's power Bible makes it very clear that god 's power and my faith are connected to receive god 's power i've got to step out in faith. It means to step out in obedience toward what God has called me to do before I feel anything you know I, before I, I I would love. For God to give me, you know, just this tingling sensation that I can feel His power and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and I'm going to make the right choice. But usually it doesn't happen that way. Usually I admit my need. I make sure I'm plugged in. I stay long enough to get energized and rejuvenated. And then I get up and I go toward the thing that I know to be right. I do what is possible. And God does the impossible. It's called power along the way. It's a principle in God's Word. You mean I have to take action and act as if I have the power even before I have the power in order to get the power? Yep, that's kind of how it works. Whisper a prayer. Whatever it is. Maybe maybe you've got to go out of here and restore a relationship. Or maybe you need to have a hard conversation. Or maybe you need to... Break a habit or maybe you need to go and admit to a friend that this is what you've been doing. Here's what you do. You whisper a prayer and then you claim a power promise like Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. And then you do the possible and expect God to do the impossible. That's how you connect to God's power. Mighty God, all-powerful. Unlimited, and he wants you to experience it and walk in it. How do you respond to a message like this? Let me give you some ideas if you're a seeker today and you're just kind of on the edges and kind of trying to figure out if is God really real and is this where I want to make a commitment? Don't wait until God writes your name in the clouds as a sign. You know Keep walking toward Christianity. Take a step of faith, maybe even today during the response time that we're going to have in just a minute maybe you just want to pray prayer's just opening a conversation to God you're saying god if you're real reveal yourself to me i want to i want to follow you and then god's power will show up along the way you do the you do the possible and expect god to do the impossible if you're a believer and you've given in to temptation you've sinned i want to challenge you to go to the cross and just admit that you're powerless Maybe you write your sin on a piece of paper and say, God, I'm, I'm sorry I'm powerless in this. Would, would you fill me with your power? And then I want you to walk out of this place in faith. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You do the possible and expect God to do the impossible. Maybe you're here and your marriage has lost the romance. Same old, same old. You do the possible. You treat your spouse as you know God would want them to be treated. And then you expect God to do the impossible. Same thing if you've got a person in your life that's hard to love. Maybe they're at work. You ask yourself, how would a loving person act toward that person? You, then you pray and you say, God, I'm powerless, but I receive your power. I'm going to plug in to your power. And I'm going to stay plugged in. And then I'm going to do the possible in Act toward them as a loving person would. And I'm going to trust you to do the impossible. And watch what happens. It may not be on your time. It may not be in the way that you thought it would end. But God will show up. He's always faithful. I want to pray for you and pray for all of you at the campuses. And here's what I want to pray. I want you to bow right now if you would. I'm going to pray Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19, Paul's prayer for the church. I pray that you, Seacoast, will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. God, would you add your blessing to the reading of your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.